I draw your attention to verse 34 in Luke chapter 1. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And that is our main text, the words of Mary. How shall this be? An inquiry of faith. I also want to link them with another text, which I also want you to keep in mind. Psalm 111, it's a psalm of praise, Psalm 111, a praising God for his great works. And I draw your attention especially to the verse 2. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. But back to Luke chapter 1 verse 34. First of all, Mary here gives her reaction to Gabriel's announcement. And this is her second reaction. The first was to his greetings, his salutation. That reaction was one of fear, one of trouble, anxious in mind in some way or other. But she never said anything. Her reaction was wordless and silent. But now she speaks. At last Mary breaks her silence. And for the first time the blessed virgin speaks. And she does so with a question. How shall this be? Now Zechariah, he was very similar. Because we read there in verse 13 of this same chapter. The angel appeared to him and made an announcement to him. Don't fear, Zacharias. Your prayer's heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and thou shalt call his name John. So Zacharias, he got an announcement too of a son to be born to his wife. And he reacted with a question too. Because we read there in verse 18, Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. Now, that looks like a similar response to Mary's. They're both questions. They look like they're saying the same thing. They're not the same response, however. They're very different. If you look at the wording carefully, and if you consider the, the rest of the story, you will know that Zechariah is unbelieving. Zechariah is not convinced. He's not persuaded. He doubts the word. He's basically saying, how can I be sure? How can I know this for sure? I just can't believe this. I just can't take this at face value because I'm old. And my wife, well, she's well smitten in years too. And it's unbelief. And that's why Zechariah is smitten dumb. Because you wouldn't believe, you'll be dumb. And he was not able to speak. And he went out dumb. Because of his unbelief. But Mary's question is not the same. And it's not a question of unbelief. And she's not smitten dumb, I can tell you. In fact, she goes out and she seems to have gotten her voice. And she goes out to the house of Elizabeth. 
and she sings the Magnificat. So she's not smitten dumb. Her soul is filled with glory because her question was not a question of unbelief. Mary does not say, how can I know? She does not say, how can I believe this? How can I be sure it's true? She doesn't say that. That's what Zechariah says. She says, how shall this be? That's different. She has faith. She believes. And the angel must be rejoicing to see such faith after having left Zechariah six months earlier. And we know that she had faith because in verse 45, Elizabeth says, when she meets her, blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So she believes, and she's blessed because she believes. And I want you to know then that this question is evidence of faith, not evidence of unbelief. She believes in the virgin birth. Mary spoke twice. This is the first time she spoke. These are the first words that come out of her mouth. The second time she spoke also to the angel, which is towards the end of the narrative, the first time she spoke was a word of faith. And the second time she spoke was a word of obedience and submission. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I'm, I'm obedient. I'm willing for this. Now this question has puzzled me. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Because you see, why does not Mary respond something like this? You'll conceive, bear a son. Why does she not respond, oh, that's good. I'm marrying Joseph. We're coming together to be married soon. And it's nice to know that I'm going to have a little boy. Why does she not think like that? It's nice to know I'll get pregnant soon. Why does she not think of ordinary conception? Why does she jump to the conclusion of a virgin birth? How shall this be seen? I know not a man and I don't intend to know a man. Is what she means. So she knows it is about virgin birth. The conception that the angel is talking about. She senses that it is to take place immediately. Even now in the house as he speaks. She senses the presence and power of God. And she knows that something is going to happen now. And also, she's a woman who knows the word of God. And she knows the scripture of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So she's not in the dark. She has the light of the word which has given her the faith that she has in her heart. And now when this angel comes to her, she knows the story. She is enlightened, illuminated. She has faith and understanding. And she's got that faith from the word of God. Gabriel is visiting a woman of faith. 
A woman of understanding. A woman steeped, truly steeped in the messianic promises of God. So she sees that this is a a great work that is to be carried out upon her. And she's not questioning the virgin birth. She knows that this will be a conception without a man. And while a virgin. And she's determined, as I said, not to know a man. And that's basically what she's telling Gabriel. I'm not going to hasten out out the door to hasten my marriage on. I'm not going to run out the door and try to humanly fulfill this with what you're saying. I'm going to believe it. So she knows it's a, a heavenly work. And she is assured it is to be a divine work, a great work, as all God's works are, special and unique. And the Son of God to be conceived in her womb is a miracle. And there's none greater. And Mary knows this. She senses this. And what she says is, how will God do this? Saying I don't know a man. Saying I'm determined not to know a man. Saying I'm determined to remain a virgin. How will God do this? How shall this be? She wants to know something of the mechanics of it. She wants to have some understanding of this work of God. And that's a good thing. She wants light. She wants understanding. She wants more illumination on the matter. She wants to investigate this divine work that she is about to submit herself to, and she has to submit to it, you see. And she will submit to it. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. But before she submits herself to it, she wants to know something more about its nature. How shall this be? So she's a woman of faith who desires to delve deeper into the things of God. She's a seeker. Mary the seeker. Mary the student of the works of God. Mary contemplative of God and of his ways. I said before that I love Mary and I can see very well why the Lord chose her to be his mother. God's grace made her a very special woman. When he made Mary. And this is where we come to Psalm 111. She doesn't need to be sure. Like Zechariah. But she wants to understand. To comprehend. Why? Why does she want to know more? Why does she want to try to comprehend more? Why? And that's really what our message is about tonight. To to look at the reasons why she asked this question. Why she's delving deeper. And I'll give you some reasons. And that's why we, we come to Psalm 111. And I was reading Psalm 111. As I often read through the Psalms monthly. And I was reading through 111. And I was coming to that Psalm at, at this time of studying on this text. And I thought the Lord would want us to introduce it in that context. 
And so we read in verse 2 of Psalm 111, the works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. So Mary is clearly seeking out this work. One of the reasons is, of course, it's a work in her womb. I mean, every woman looks after her body and wants to know what is happening in her body. And this is a miracle within her, and it's a divine work, and she just wants to understand it more. She, and one of the reasons is that she has pleasure in it. It's giving her delight. It's exciting her, actually. And that's why we chose this text. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. She has pleasure in this thought. She has pleasure in this work. She has pleasure in this concept of the virgin birth and Messiah coming into the world. It gives her immense pleasure. It takes away her fear. Her troubled mind has gone now. Her anxiousness has departed. There's no fear. There's just pleasure in God's work. And when you have pleasure in God's work, you want to investigate it more. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. And I think Mary is a classic example of what this verse means. She's seeking out. How shall this be? She's rejoicing in spirit. And the sheer excitement of it draws out this question. She might say in the words of another psalmist, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the work of thy hands. How shall this be? So it's out of her pleasure and sheer joy that she's investigating. Another reason, of course, is that it is so great. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. I've already said that the virgin birth is the greatest miracle ever. It is. It's far greater than making a world. That God has made flesh. Who can fathom it? It's a miracle of miracles that brings sinners into the new creation, the new cosmos. That God had to become man in order to bring man on into that newness, despite the fact that he was a sinner. God condescended to be formed as a man in the womb of a humble virgin. It's a mighty work. And it is to be inquired into. Who would not search it out? And so she asks, and we ask, and we search now, we, we don't get very far in our investigation of this great miracle. But there's no harm asking. There's no harm desiring. You can't explore its depths. But you can understand the, the desire to do so. It's like being at the ocean. I'm sure you've often been at the ocean, as I, as I have. And I've stood at the ocean and I've thought of the deep. What would it be like in the deep? And how much of the deep is unsearchable and unknown and no man has been there before? An unexplored vastness. And you know you'll never sort it out. You'll never ever get down to the deep. You'll never, you'll never ever see anything of it. But you don't turn your back to it. You imagine. 
you look out, you inquire the greatness. You go into the ocean and you do your wee paddling about in the shores. That's as far as you'll ever get. That's as far as you'll ever know. So we, we'll not get very far. And the question really can't be answered. But she's paddling in the shore. Delving. Just wanting to know more of the depths of this divine work. Let us never lose the, the powerful mystery of this divine work. Let us be like Mary. How, how can this thing be? The psalm describes the magnificence of the divine work. Creative work that has no comparison. Just look at how the psalmist describes the works of the Lord. Verse 2, the works of the Lord are great, sought out, as Mary seeks them out. Then verse 3, his work is honorable and glorious. And so it is, it's a divine work. It's a work worthy of God, of the divine creator. And it's honorable because he doesn't force himself on Mary. He doesn't say, Mary, you'll just be the vehicle and that's the end of the matter. No, he, he works in an honourable way with this virgin, making her willing, making her come to the point where she says, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord, just be it as the word says. It's an honourable work, as all God's works are, done in his goodwill, in his gracious nature. And verse 4 says, He have made his wonderful works. They're wonderful works. They're miraculous. They're... It can't be, as it were, replicated by man. They're divine. And then verse 6, they're powerful works. He has shown people the power of his works. And then verse 7, the works of his hand are verity and judgment. That is, they're truth. They're faithful. Verse 8, the last. His works last. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. So there are various descriptions here of the great works of God. Wonderful, honourable, glorious truth. And you can understand Mary just saying, tell me more. Tell me more. And then another reason is that his work is never to be forgotten. We're never to forget any of God's works. We're never to forget the creation. We're never to forget the Exodus out of Egypt and all the works that were revealed to us in, in the Bible and all the works that we've witnessed in Providence and the miraculous works of Christ. We're never to forget them. We're to ingrain them on our memory more and more. We're to go over them all the time and reflect upon them always. And Mary is wanting this work to be ingrained in her heart in a way that will always be remembered. Of course, it'll not be forgotten. It never will be because her womb bore Christ. And that'll be true throughout all eternity. That one womb. And Mary's a very honoured woman. And she wants to have more understanding of this so that she can comprehend it more and more and get it into her heart. Not just her mind, but into her heart. To be remembered, we read there in verse 4, he made his wonderful works to be remembered. And it is by understanding them more that we remember them. There's another reason. It is that she might know the Lord and appreciate the Lord more and more. And especially his graciousness and kindness. 
Because what does it say there in Psalm 111, verse 4? The psalmist here, he breaks in here, in the middle of the psalm, with a little statement, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. There's a psalm about all of his works at either side of that statement, but here in the middle, he just sums up the Lord, who is revealing himself in these works. And how does he reveal himself in these works? He's gracious and full of compassion. And that's why Mary investigates these works, because she wants to know more of his compassion, more of his grace, more of his kindness. She wants to know more of the nature of this God. How shall this be, so that I might know more of the Lord and his divine work? And so whenever you discover the works of God more and more, you know what it makes you do? It makes you love him more. It does. The more you study the miracles of Christ, you know what you do? You just, you just love him more. What a saviour. What graciousness and compassion. It just melts your heart. And that's what Mary wants to do. She wants to, to go into this work more that she may discover more and more of the grace of God and of his kind nature. Know the Lord. Now that's what we, we do in, in the discovering the works of God. You know how it is if, if someone gives you a gift, you know, if they, you know, if they bought it in the shop and uh, maybe that's, that's a nice thing to do, they buy it in the shop and they give it to you, that's, that's a nice gift. You know that they have feel something for you, that they love you. But if they give you something that, maybe a painting, it took hours and hours and they had to drive for miles and miles to get a nice scene that they thought you would like and then they had to put up their can canvas and paint for hours and hours and do all that work. And you get this nice painting. And you know they love you. But whenever you investigate the work, how much time did you put into that? What was the cost in your time and in your effort? And how far did you go to do that? Whenever you investigate all of that, you realize, wow, they must really think much of me to do that. And that's the way it is with the Lord. If you investigate it, if you search it out, if you inquire deeper, if you look into all that's behind it and going on in it, you, you, you are smitten. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And that's why that's in the middle of that psalm, you see. His works cause us to discover that as we delve deeper. And that's what Mary's doing. She's delving deeper and deeper. And there's no one loved the Lord like Mary. In my reckoning, Mary is the greatest lover of the Lord that ever lived on this planet. And she has this mind. Tell me more. How shall this be? The fifth reason is to praise God better. And how does the psalm begin? Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. And how, how is the psalmist going to do that? By investigating the works of God. His wonderful works, his great works, his honourable works, his glorious works. As he investigates all these works, they fill him with praise. I'll praise you more and more. So he wants to praise the Lord more and more. And the only way to do it is to study his works, to study what he does, to study the kind of God that he is. And brethren and sisters, that's why we study the, the works of God. Not to fill our heads with knowledge and be able to talk about them merely, but that our hearts may be touched and that we might be taken up with his greatness and worship him. That's why we study creation and we delight to do so. 
And we don't get bogged down about all these questions of origins. We just believe the Bible. God made all things. He made all things good. And he shows his greatness in his creation. And we marvel at his creation. And we worship him as we see him in his creation. So she wants to have a full heart. Tell me more. How shall this be? I want my heart to burst. I want to go out and sing that Magnificat. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Tell me more. You don't go out singing the Magnificat, I tell you, without being a seeker. You don't go out singing the Magnificat without a spirit of inquiry and searching out the works of God. Without a contemplative nature. A mind that meditates on the things of God. That's mere. The Magnificat come out of this question. How shall this be? So we have to question and search the things of God and the deep things of God and the works of God in order to praise God aright. So Lord, I want to understand more. To praise you more and more. And so, Gabriel, tell me more. Tell me more. And she wants to talk of his ways. Notice verse 1 of Psalm 111, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. She's not just going to stay at home, as it were, and just, you know, it's all going to be contemplative up there and in here in the heart. No, she's going to talk. The quiet woman's going to talk. The woman who can't even open her mouth hardly for an angel is going to talk. But she's only going to talk about the things of the Lord and the things of God. She wants to talk of his ways. She wants to tell Joseph. She's thinking, right, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? I have to be able to tell Joseph something. So tell me more. And then, Elizabeth, you say my cousin is six months pregnant. I want to go down there. I want to be able to talk to her. I want to be able to sing the Magnificat to her. I want my soul to magnify God in her house, in her little church, with her priestly husband. So tell me more. Tell me more. And then she wants to tell this little infant boy who comes into the world and who sucks at her breast. She wants to tell him the works of the Lord. She wants to tell him of his human origins. She wants to tell him of the great works of the Lord. Because, well you say, isn't he the Lord? Well he is, but he become man. And it was a true humanity. And that true humanity had to develop as humanity develops. And he had to grow in knowledge and in wisdom and in understanding. And that had to be done in the way that human beings get knowledge and understanding. And she has to tell her son. And I tell you, the Lord Jesus loved his mother. And he learned to trust his father on her breast. It's a mystery. But the Bible teaches that. The Psalms say that. I was cast upon you from my mother's womb. I I trusted in you from my mother's breast. That's Jesus in the messianic psalm. And Mary's going to tell him all the works of his father, his heavenly father. So she wants to be able to tell. I will meditate of all thy work 
she says, if we use the words of another psalm, and talk of thy doings. And then she wants to be able to obey all the more. What does Psalm 111 say? Verse 10, a good understanding hath all they that do his commandments. You see, there's a link between the understanding and the doing. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. And it works both ways. You have a good understanding and that helps you to do the commandments. And you do the commandments and that gives you a greater understanding. So it works both ways. And at the moment it's working this way for Mary. I want to do your commandment. I want to give myself to this conception. But I want to do it with understanding. So tell me more. And the more we understand the things of God, brethren and sisters, the more we will do, the more we will be obedient, the more we will submit ourselves unto him in confidence, knowing that all his works are justice and truth. This is a big step for Mary, to be able to say, be it unto me according to your word. That's a big, big, big step. Anybody would tremble at that step. Give me understanding. Help me a little bit more to comprehend this before I make that step. And then there's another reason. And it is this. Does she sense that the church will want to know in ages to come? Does she sense that this is such a miraculous birth, this a virgin conception, that this is a miracle of miracles. All peoples and nations will talk about this. All generations will look back to this. And I'll be talked about. And I'll be a wonder because of the work of God in my womb. And that's quite overwhelming to know that. That everybody is going to talk about me. Everybody's going to think about me. Everybody's going to know what, what I went through as I, as I bore the Christ child. She's aware of all of this. In fact, it's told to her that all generations will call her blessed when she goes to the house of Elizabeth. A virgin birth's not done in a corner, I can tell you. She knows Nazareth is not on the map now, as we said in one of our meetings. But it will be. And she senses this. And she wants it on record. She wants the whole church to know it's on record. She wants the whole world to know how shall this be? So she's asking it for you and for me. For all generations, for the whole church. Because she doesn't want any glory. That's why. She wants the church to know the real story, the real reason, the full story, and the story is not Mary. The story is God. And so she draws the angel out and she says, Now say it clearly, say it clearly. How shall this be? I want you to give the reason. I want you to state it so that the whole church will know it's not me. It's God. How shall this be?
She's asking for us. And if she didn't ask, she knows we will be saying, Mary, why didn't you ask? Why don't you just ask more? Don't just accept it, but ask more. We want to know more, Mary. And Mary seems to sense that. So tell me more. Tell me more. She gets the answer. Verse 35, the angel answered her. Didn't rebuke her. Didn't smite her dumb. He gave her some more intelligence on the matter. The Holy Ghost. Here's heaven's answer, Mary. Heaven is delighted to answer your inquiry. Heaven sees your faith. Heaven sees your seeking spirit. Your hunger after truth. And here's the answer, Mary. I don't know that it'll help you much. But it's the only answer we can give you. It's still a deep ocean. You still won't fathom it. You still won't be able to swim in it. But here's a little shore here. You can paddle in that. And ever since the church of Jesus Christ has been paddling in those little waters of the divine miracle of the virgin birth, paddling here in these little waters, and what are these little waters? The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The Holy Ghost shall overshadow thee so that that holy thing which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It doesn't tell us everything, but it tells us quite a bit. And if she hadn't asked, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have this in her creed. Conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Ghost. We wouldn't know about the third person's involvement. We wouldn't know that it's not just the Father and the Son, but also the Holy Spirit. We learn of the Holy Spirit. We learn that he is involved. She's asked. Now she gets an answer. She sought. Now she finds. She's knocked at the door of Gabriel and she has obtained, it's been opened to her, the Holy Ghost. He will be like, like a bird. And he'll hover over you. Under his divine wings he'll shadow you. And by his divine omnipotence, his divine power, he will work of your substance in your womb. And you will miraculously conceive the Son of God. That's it. But that's a confession of our faith. Conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin. She got our confession of faith out of Gabriel. We're glad she asked. And so it's not just the Father and the Son here present in the room with her. It's the whole Godhead. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The one God in the sacredness of his three divine persons. The spirit broods, covers, overshadows. Gabriel is bringing her back to creation. Because at creation, all, all the substance is there. God has made all the substance. All, all, all the pool of matter is there. Life. Life. It needs life. 
and the Spirit of God brooded over the waters. And now in the new creation, the new cosmos, the new heavens and the new earth, which commences now in the womb of the Virgin, that same Spirit broods to bring Christ the eternal life amongst humanity in the incarnation. It's an unfathomable mystery. It's deep. But we want to search it out. And Mary does too. So it's a miracle like the first creation. That's what this is. She's got it out of the mouth of Gabriel. Now of course the new is not finally and fully here. But we have to wait its final consummation on how glorious that will be at the second advent. But the old has ended. The new has arrived with the power of the Holy Spirit over a virgin's womb. That's some work. What I'm saying, brethren and sisters, let us never lose the depth of the mystery of the Incarnation. We can never rightly comprehend its greatness, but let us sense its greatness. Let us feel its omnipotence. You see then that she has faith. Mary has faith. And this question proves that. That her faith is great. It's not wrong to ask this question at all the great works of God. I ask it at the cross. Because that's another mystery. Our sins being taken away in the sacrifice of Calvary. How shall this be? Tell us more. Tell us more. We inquire, we search at the empty tomb. How shall this be? We inquire, we search, tell us more. We want to know more of these works of God. We want to understand more. We want to have a greater faith. We want to praise God more and more. We want to be able to talk more with intelligence and understanding about the things of God and we know we will not be able to do so unless we have a searching contemplative nature that inquires and asks questions of God and of his word. So search brethren and sisters. Seek and ask and knock and pray unto God so that you may have a better understanding of his divine works. So let us pray the one prayer we need to pray when we sit at Mary's feet. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, give us faith like thy virgin mother. And may he do so. And to him be all glory, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the one living and true God. Amen.